Happy Thanksgiving. Hope you guys are enjoying your time off with your loved ones and this holiday week and being grateful for everything that you received because I think this is one of the best holidays around that's totally biblical. It's a time to love others and be grateful to what you receive. Uh, even though all the other holidays are all pagan, and perhaps this one was started pagan too, but I think it's consistent with at least Jesus promoting the idea of love, friendship, and inclusion of others to invite them in their home and share a meal with them, and then also being grateful in prayer to God. Um, so I came across this website that's posted by Red State, this article, which intrigued me, and then it led me to another rabbit hole of all these different churches that are being away from God. And so it's basically, this podcast is about apostasy of the church and how it's all become demonic and satanic. It's no longer about God, but although it's using God and it's using Christ to bring people in, but then it is really the gateway of hell. So it's it's the light you know, the Satan often comes in as as a vision of light, as as a good thing, as if he's God himself. But in reality, it's just leading people to hell. So this church, it's uh, in Canada. It's called United Church of Canada, which apparently now is uh, promoting prayers that's called the Grateful Assisted Suicide. So it actually wrote out prayers. Um one of them I'll just read shortly. I am afraid. I, I feel fear penetrating my mind and my heart. I feel fear in my gut. I'm so afraid to die. I do not know what lies beyond the barrier of death. I am afraid to release myself to the great unknown. I am heartbroken and I'm afraid to leave my family. I am still needed. I have to let go of hope and healing and I hold on to the hope for the next life. I'm afraid that my family and loved ones and children and grandchildren will be troubled when I tell them I plan to die using medical aid in dying. But in the midst of my fear, I have hope that my family and loved ones, children, grandchildren will understand the choice of end my suffering. I hope they will be proud of my decision and will understand the made medical-assisted uh, suicide uh, is consistent with love and compassion of Jesus I have such peace knowing this is my choice. My family loves me, but they cannot feel my suffering. They cannot comprehend my helplessness. I have hope and assurance that my death will be gentle. I am grateful that I can make this choice, for I'm terrified of dying of pain and being helpless. Wow. So this prayer is actually written by the church, but all of its premise is completely unbiblical not just the assisted suicide part, but just the prayer itself, because it's going into saying that I am afraid and that I'm afraid to die and release myself to the great unknown. But Jesus has made it very clear what is to come and what is our life to be with him uh, after the earth is going to get renewed. We're not going to be sitting in some ether world in heaven, but we're actually going to have physical bodies we're going to be resurrected perfect in a new heaven and a new earth where the Garden of Eden that once was is going to be restored and it will be the entire planet and the universe. Even the heavens will be 
taken down and rebuilt to a new heavens. And the comfort of knowing that that that's the entire gift that God gave us is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and whoever believes in him shall not perish but have uh, eternal life. So we know that we're going to have eternal life. So there's no need to think that you're just releasing yourself to the great unknown. You're releasing yourself to Christ. And he said he will is preparing a place for us. There's many mansions in his father's house, and he's specifically making a place for each and every one of us who believe. And yet this prayer is making it seem like this great darkness of hopelessness and you know, having no hope except to die. And this is the only way, uh, you know, like he's leaving his family, his loved ones, because this person doesn't want to suffer anymore, or at least a mental agony, not necessarily even the physical agony, agony, and he's choosing medical-assisted suicide. So the church is leading these people astray. They have no hope. They don't have any salvation. They fear the unknown. They're constantly afraid, and they don't even trust God for their own salvation. They don't trust God for what he's providing them now and, and later. Anyone who goes to this church is just really sending themselves to hell. And if they think they're giving these people some compassion by you know, offering them assisted suicide, uh, they're not. They're just cutting their life short. And if they really trusted God, they would not want to do that to themselves and the church certainly wouldn't be involved you know they can make that decision and perhaps counsel them one way or the other but they certainly wouldn't be promoting it that you know this is okay and i looked up this church well it makes total sense why it's doing what it's doing because it's like it's totally into all kinds of stuff it goes into accepting uh, homosexual pastors, it pretty it accepts everything. There's no barriers with this church whatsoever. Uh, it allows for all kinds of faiths, not even just faith in Christianity that are welcome there. They basically say that God is greater and still works in their world by mysterious spirit that no one knows. And there's no distinction at the doorway of the Christian chapel, a Buddhist, a Hindu, Sikh temple, indigenous sweat lodges, Muslim mosques, and Jewish synagogues. So it's basically saying all the multi-faith, it's all one God, one worship. So that's not Christianity. That's the coexist, you know, one world religion that they're building here. That's why everything is okay. There's no sin involved, and there's no difference in any of the doctrine, what they believe. All religions are welcome. All people are welcome, whether they're straight, gay, in the LGBT lifestyle, and they even have pastors that promote it. And then, on top of that, church also marries anyone and everyone. It says same-sex couples, previously divorced people, so I'm assuming they're alluding to the fact that Bible speaks about if you don't have a valid divorce, then that's akin to committing adultery. So they're okay with remarriage. So the Bible says that it's better to be alone than to commit that. But it also states that 
there has to be a biblical reason for a divorce. Otherwise, even if they do get divorced and remarried, uh, you know, they're just uh, committing adultery. And then it talks about couples with different religions. Well, the Bible is very clear that you can't be unequally yoked. So which means that if you are a believer in Christ, then you should marry another believer in Christ and not allow different religions to in fact that was one of the things that solomon did wrong when he married all of his thousands of wives they were all he accepted all their religion and that was his downfall because he committed adultery against god and that's what you're doing when you're all inclusive of different religions as that's what this church promotes anyway very little of it has to do with you know, telling the people to repent of their sins and why they need to, you know, in the image of God and not in the image of themselves. So they're basically promoting everyone to do whatever they want and be accepting and then just creating their own image versus the image of God. They're not in going to a church to learn about God's ways and repent of their sins. They're really just promoting whatever their lifestyle is for that current culture and bringing that doctrine into the church so the church is conforming to the people's sin and not the other way around. But I found these other churches that all across the world were doing the same thing. There's another church that in Scotland that they just started approving gay marriages. So the Church of Scotland is one of the largest organizations in the country with over 300,000 members, has regularly involved in local congregations, and it says around 800 ministers serving in parishes and, and chaplaincies and supported both centrally and locally employed staff. If, it says most of our parishes are in Scotland, but we have churches in England, Europe, and overseas, and Church of Scotland plays a pivotal role in Scottish society and works with communities worldwide. Well, if it plays a pivotal role in Scottish society and they're accepting gay marriages within the church, then... What happens to that society? It's all going to break down. So the morals are breaking down everywhere. And it's starting in Europe. It's starting in America. It's starting in, you know, the same elites, the powers to be that want to transform the world are doing it nation by nation to allow this agenda to infiltrate every church. And they're also unifying all faith under one umbrella and, you know, whatever church name you want to call it, United or Unified Church or Christ Church, it doesn't matter. Any of these institutions that are, you know, member dues and tithing because they manipulate people's hearts and spirituality to say that they're tithing for God when it's really tithing to this beast system, which gets a hold of them and changes their doctrine and then, you know, plays manipulation of their spiritual soul. So here's another one. It says, Bishop-elect Megan Rohr is a transgender pastor in San Francisco and will serve at the Sierra Pacific Synod, which I don't even know what that is, which includes congregation across Northern California and Nevada. So this uh, must be like the first openly transgender bishop which I think it's a woman pretending to be a man. Either way, it's just disgusting. And, 
you know, this is wrong at so many levels. Not only God sees this as an abomination, you have a man leading a church, but it's not even a man, it's a woman. And Paul talked a lot about not having women as pastors. The Bible makes it very clear that men are to be ruling their flock, not the women in the church. So this is like a double whammy, a woman pretending to be a man. And then another church, uh, they were starting to do drag shows from 12 to 18 within the church. So this church was in Florida, Naples uh, United Church of Christ that will host a huge pride conference. Why would they need to do that? This is, again, I think this is just a part of that same uh, United Church of all these different countries, United Church of Canada, United Church of Scotland, United Church of Christ in America, and so on. So they're really pushing their way in to conform to all the abomination of what God hates into the church. So it's not really a church. It's a it's an institution where people accept these demonic doctrines. They don't want the real Christ. They don't want the real gospel. They don't want the truth. They want to confirm with whatever the society is telling them. So they're holding all these uh, LGBTQ shows, uh, drag queen hours, and the libraries, you know, uh, having read to kids. This is all happening within the church, along with gay pastors and transgender pastors and so on. So this one is in the Durham Methodist Church, where they're doing the drag queen um, church events. So listen to this. Well, Maggie, they call it drag me to church. And here's a look at the crowd, a packed house here at Calvary United Methodist Church here in Durham. There's been a lot of applause as the festivities just got started here about a few minutes ago. This is billed as a family-friendly drag performance fundraiser for the church's LGBTQ youth group, Inside Out 180. Organizers are calling this an act of sacred resistance opposing the decision made at this year's United Methodist General Conference. I was a little bit shocked and awed. The community I know is Calvary, and Calvary has loved me and supported me every moment that I've been here. Finding that the United Methodist Church at the higher levels didn't share that same opinion was a bit mystifying for me. We see churches across the triangle speed out against the decision. Organizers also tell us this event is not allowed by the United Methodist Church, but it will also feature a silent auction, local drag celebrities, and a march to the sanctuary with a performance on the church altar. Live in Durham, Zach Dahlheimer, CBS 17 News. Disappointing to one of the LGBT member, the higher-ups didn't support this drag queen event in their church. Problem is that they're not being told the truth. So I actually feel sorry for all the LGBTQT community uh, attending these churches and thinking they're welcome and they're accepted and they're being loved for who they are. They're not really being loved at all. In fact, they're being hated on because they're not being told the truth of what God thinks of what's happening. They're not given the choice to transform themselves by reading the Bible correctly and being preached upon correctly. If they're being accepted and then they can't understand why the the true believers will not go along with that, because how can we? So we don't hate anyone. We don't hate 
you know, the people that are involved. We just hate the sin that's involved, the sin that they continue to promote and normalize. And if so, what does that put us in a position to say, well, do we go by God's word or do we go by man's acceptance of what's happening? It's, it's forcing every Christian to make a choice. And they're not understanding when people come against that. It's not that we're trying to come against them in particular. We're just coming against the idea of normalizing sin and not transforming these people's souls and minds, but yet promoting it and becoming Sodom and Gomorrah of our day. So, you know, if they're crying and they can't understand the love that they're not getting from everyone, well, they're not even being told the truth as to why. If they knew the truth, they would join our side. They wouldn't be promoting that we hate them because we don't. And even the Christian blogs, you know, nowadays are now spreading the same. They're confused. They're very, very confused. Most Christians today, they don't know what to do because it's in their churches everywhere. They're told by Christ to love everyone, but they don't even understand what that command is, is to love people, but do not love the sin because you have to follow him. You cannot follow the world. So obviously Christ is making a distinction between sinful acts and the love for people. If you tell them the truth, they have to repent on their own. And if you don't tell them the truth, they're going to die in their sins. They're not going to get saved. So if you're not telling the, you know, the people that this is how God views it, then that means they're going to die in hell. They're going to die with Satan and be judged for their sins rather than be repentant of it and you know enter into the kingdom of God with in the salvation. Truth is love that's what people don't they think love is an emotion but it's not an emotion it's telling people the truth that's love if you see somebody that's gonna be walking on the train tracks and it's about to get hit by the train you don't say peace out brother i accept you walking on the tracks it's cool you know i love you for what you are no you're gonna yell and say look Get out of the way. The train's about to hit you. That's love. You don't lie to that person. You have to tell him that there's a train coming, and if he doesn't move, he's going to die. So similarly, everything that God tells us in the Bible, if we don't tell people the truth, they're going to die, and they're going to be judged, and they're not going to know the salvation of God. So here's another one. It's not just churches, but everybody... It's getting involved. All Christian outlets, the Christian universities. So if you pay tuition to go to these universities, uh, you, there's no point. There's no point learning anything from these churches or the universities or anywhere they're trying to teach you all-inclusive doctrine to allow this LGBT stuff to infiltrate everywhere. So this Christian university, uh, it says residence hall gets, we're here, we're queer. So this is already happening everywhere. And no one's doing anything about it. So I think that's what's going on in Christians too, that they are now confused 
where what they chatter with each other shows that confusion. They don't know how to deal with it. They would think they want to love and accept them all, but they don't understand how that command works of to love and also reject this kind of sin at the same time. And now they're not just going into these churches to say, okay, just accept us as who we are because Christ loved everybody. No, 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 no. They are wanting to go way above and beyond and make Christ into a queer and transgender God. It's not enough to just go to church and try to be one of many that go in there thinking they're worshiping God. No, they got to transform God too at their level. It's making their image of their own God. So listen to this priest who's basically saying that when Jesus washed the feet of the disciples, you know, he was the message was that you are to serve all people as if, you know, even that God didn't elevate himself, but he went down to the servant level to serve others, and that's how we were supposed to be. But this priest has uh, twisted that to say, well, he washed the feet, which was typically a job for women only, and that by doing that, he became the woman and transgendered himself, which is crazy that anyone even could come up with this. Yeah, so if we think of Jesus as um, the one who reveals God, uh, I was really struck by Angela saying earlier that God is queer. And uh, I, I think as humans, we have a tendency to construct God in our own image rather than to recognize that we are made in the image of God. And therefore, the dominant expression of humanity ends up writing itself onto God and making that God. Uh, and I think in, in the story of Jesus, the stories of Jesus' life, we, we find that being broken down um, in, in some quite radical ways, which is then having the knock-on effect of altering the way we understand who God is in relation to humanity. So I think Jesus um, transgenders himself on a number of occasions. Um, I, I think, you know, just, just a little phrase where Jesus is lamenting over Jerusalem, longing to gather Jerusalem as a mother hen gathers her chicks. Um, I think if you look at um, the foot washing from John's Gospel, foot washing elsewhere in both Old and New Testament, that it's consistently done by, by women. And yet Jesus takes that on. People often cast that as being the servant's role. It was the woman's role. Uh, and, and Jesus does it and becomes the woman at that point. Um, and I think, you know, we've observed that, you know, he's unmarried, he's childless, he defies gender and sexual norms of his day, he's known for associating with those whose own sexual history or gender identity may be ambiguous. So I think in Jesus, we've got a revelation of God as encompassing far more than what historically, and recently at least, um, Christians have tended to construct God as being. And I think there's a bit of an antidote to... Uh, heteronormative idolatry in in the story of Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. He said so many things in there that it would take forever to even decode that. That's not what even the message what Jesus was doing was trying to take on a woman's role. His message was that you are a servant to serve others, and even to the point where he, as God, is washing disciples' feet. But even if he was trying 
to take on a woman's role, which he made no difference. He'd said it over and over, in Christ there's no man or a woman, Jew or Gentile, all are one in Christ. So if even if he was, you know, showing a message that he's taking on woman's work, the role itself does not make him a transgender. You don't change your sexual identity, you know, go into a whole different realm of who you are deceiving the world if you're more, you know, man trying to be a woman or a woman trying to be a man in deception in appearance and dress and manner has nothing to do with person's role of doing a particular job women do all kinds of work today that men traditionally used to do that doesn't make them men and then men doing many functions today that they women used to traditionally do that doesn't make them women. Roles that people find themselves into of serving one another has nothing to do with transgender identity or sexual identity or a visual transformation into another sex. He also goes on to say very weird things that Christ accepted all kinds of people in his day, including identity-confused, gender-bending back then. I think it's pretty much clear that the way that they defined, you know, those people that were cross-dressing, they were doing it as part of uh, these pagan religions and worship in these temples where they were like transgender prostitutes and, you know, going after these false gods and doing all kinds of crazy rituals. The Bible strictly prohibits anyone from engaging into any such acts and calls it an abomination. Paul talks about it, God, you know, in Jesus' day, Jesus talks about it. So there's no confusion whatsoever that he would condone any of this kind of behavior back then when he made it clear that it was to uh, move away from that and to make people holy because God was holy, to transform the people's minds and hearts to be conforming to the image of God and not into the image of themselves. But yet this priest is making up all kinds of mixing in the truth with all kinds of absurdities that it's crazy that you know a panel is actually listening to this as if it's some sound theology. This is from an LGBT trans hope church. Queer guy, says dressed up in a drag, is preaching the gospel from the queer Bible. And is talking about the crucifixion as if he transcended himself because it allowed his struggle as who he was to somehow transform himself as a drag where all those people that are suffering as in the LGBT stuff, that they can transcend themselves just like Jesus did at the cross. That it, So it's crazy that it's hard to even listen to and describe what this thing is saying. So clearly they're not interested in the truth and they're not interested in applying the truth to their lives they are wanting to pervert the Bible and God's word to mean and say something else. They're not repentance of that. They even call themselves the queer holiness. 
There's no such thing. So they're making up these doctrines of demons to deceive themselves, but deceive anyone who's actually listening. So imagine somebody who might be confused with this uh, gender-bending ideas and wants to maybe search out the God, but then they hit on these kinds of people that totally deceives them, thinking that this is okay, that they can be who they are, and then change the verses of the Bible to apply to them that that's what God wants for them to be just like, you know, the, to transform themselves that it's okay to, you know, to be a queer, holy person. It's crazy talk. It's complete crazy. And this is why, you know, there's no one hates people. What people hate are deceivers and liars and demonic doctrines that are infiltrating people's hearts and minds not even among themselves but within where believers go to think that they're hanging out and gathering with other believers but then they're mixed in with these ideas and doctrines and then told that we should love them as they are it's confusing everyone it's confusing the people that are truly searching even if they are, you know, caught up in this agenda because they're starting very young as kids. So imagine these kids are growing up and they know that something is wrong, but they can't figure it out because they got so indoctrinated with all these ideas, these demonic holds over them. And then maybe when they want to go to church to be told the truth, they're not going to ever get that. This is all apostasy from the church. So I think we are now at that time where the verses in the Bible talks about that the end of days is going to be uh, complete apostasy. Uh, this is from Matthew 24, 10 to 12, that many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another, and many false prophets will rise and deceive many, because inequity will abound and the love many grow cold. So these people, when they're preaching, then they, you know they're actually causing the hatred and the love to grow cold. Uh, so they're the one. It's it's ironic, you know. They say that you know that the, the, the hatred is we're supposed to be accepting of them, and it's just uh, LGBTQ hate. When in fact, when we're trying to tell them the truth, but then in accepting that, they're actually causing. Uh, many to be deceived and inequity will abound. So the hatred is going to arise from all these actions. So listen to this uh, queer preacher. A man dresses a woman reading from queer Bible commentary and making up its own doctrine. I am really uncomfortable with the story of the crucifixion, with like analogies of the cross and metaphors and all that symbology. Because to me, it's hard to move past the idea of the cross as anything but a torturous death trap, a death thing, um, a symbol of sustained harm and insurmountable, painful loneliness. At least that was until I read what Jenny had given me. The commentary of the queer, uh, the queer Bible commentary uh, transposes the story of Christ. This is really every story in the Bible, but specifically this one was about the, the crucifixion, and it transposes that onto the story of the queer experience. It forces the reader to wonder whether the story of Christ can be seen through a lens of queerness, through a lens of drag, even. She read a line to me as we sat and chatted. The secret is what makes people tremble. And people will tremble, sensing the mystery of queer holiness. 
And that struck me. A secret is what makes people tremble. And people will tremble sensing the mystery of queer holiness. To me, drag is a powerful form of uncovering my own secret, shouting it on the mountaintops. Drag allows me to process the mystery of myself, the mystery of God, the mystery of love, and the mystery of pain. When I walk the streets in six inch heels and wear four pounds of hair, double stacked wigs, the power which lies within my mystery is released into the world. When I paint my face meditating upon those who came before me, my, my spiritual ancestors, so to speak, I can reach into a deeper part of my soul. I can access every part of me I was told to hide away from the world, I was, that I was told to deny and that I was commanded to hate. I can externalize it all and I can celebrate it. Drag allows me to not only celebrate the divine surety that dwells within me, it allows me to show others how to celebrate it themselves. It allows me to show that it is not something to be boxed away. There is holy liberation occurring when folks feel they can release the mysterious secret shrouded by society. There is holiness in queerness. There is holiness in allyship. There is holiness in femininity and masculinity and fluidity. There are shrouded secrets of many forms in our lives. There is healing and acknowledgement of harm and pain. There is divinity stitching together emotional wounds when we are able to find spaces and methods of resources to see and acknowledge our worthiness of healing. You, you contain a marvelous mystery of divinity. You contain a worthiness of love, of health, of community, of healing that deserves to be seen. No matter what has been too, done to you, no matter what you have done, no matter what has been said over you, you deserve healing. In Mark 15, Christ is laughed at, told he is nothing but a lie, told that, he is a, that his mystery is wrong and that he is unworthy of life. It is said that when Christ was arrested, he was clothed in a purple robe and given a crown of thorns that was pressed into his head. This was all a jest at his identity. One soldier laughs, hail the king of Jews. Christ was told his secret should make him tremble. And a few verses later, upon witnessing the power and liberation that came at the crucifixion, a soldier cried out in awe, surely this is the child of God. The death of Christ's secret for humanity gave way to a new life, gave hope for those carrying their own inherited shrouds of secrecy. Christ's mystery was celebrated in glowing light and tongues of fire and a promise for all people, a promise that the divine love and grace shall dwell within them no matter what. Your identity is not a sin. Your identity is not punishable. Your identity deserves to be celebrated and loved and cared for. This past Thursday, March 31st, was the International Transgender Day of Visibility. In the PCUSA, we welcome all of our transgender and queer siblings into this family and relationship with the Creator God. So today, I wish to pray a prayer that was written for this incredible day. Will you pray with me? O oh God of pronouns, we give praise to the Great One, the one who is identifiable as God. I am what I am, you say, the Great They, the incarnate He and She, the God of trans being. Impregnating Mary, Fathering God, breastfeeding God of many breasts, you, shadow, you shatter all stereotypes, making every single person male and female. Male and female, intersex, non-binary, in your image, exactly in your image. Spectrum, rainbow God, who put your promise for non-violence in the symbol for queer love, 
before humanity knew, because you knew, who had Joseph, who could not sleep with a woman in a beautiful lady's cloak, perhaps of rainbow colors, before we knew, you knew. God of pronouns, who said you can call me he or she or they, whatever makes you feel closest to me. Invisible and visible God, on this day, where visibility and celebration, belated, belatedness, affirmation, and acceptance is the bare minimum. Remind us that you are the God of pronouns, so you affirm and you celebrate them. God of Saul, Paul, Simon, Isaac, Jacob, Isaac, Simon, Peter, Abram, and Sarai, and Abraham, and Sarah. God of Joseph, of the coat of many colors, of the Ethiopian eunuch, of the Virgin Mary, God of all found families in the Bible. Remind us that you affirm us in our full identi identity, name, pronoun, found family, all of it. For this, we give you thanks and praise to the great I am, the great they them. Thank you, God. And so in the now, now in the words that our mother, our father, and our sibling God taught us to pray, and pray with us now. Our Father, who art in heaven. In this crazy video, this woman, pastor, leader, I don't know what her real role is, but she's definitely leading the, most of the sermon in that church, and she follows with the prayer after welcoming the LGBTQT whatever alphabet into the church and twisting the scriptures once again that God made male and female in the image of God, he made them to be plural and singular of male and female. But she twisted it to say the God of pronouns uh, to mean male and female as one and whatever spectrum, gender identity they feel, gender fluid God. This craziness is so pervasive in all churches now that pretty much I don't think you can really go to any church that adheres to the main uh, whatever the cultural norms are that are being handed down from top down and ultimately is coming from the government going through these churches that they have to comply with the new LGBT whatever agenda or they won't get benefits, they won't get the tax protection, the 501c and culturally they're wanting it as well so they're not fighting it too hard there hasn't been a single fight with the government or anyone else to say, we won't do this. We will maintain the integrity of the Bible as God has ordained it. But there hasn't been any real pushback. Maybe a church here and there, but definitely no lawsuits with the government. No lawsuits except for the gay community wanting to sue the churches for not allowing it to happen. So how can all this stuff go on too long except to say that we're towards the end now where the church has gone apostate. So now I'm going to go over all the verses they have twisted and what God really thinks about all of this now. So I read earlier Matthew 24, 10 through 12, that many will fall away and betray one another, hate one another, and many false prophets will rise and will deceive many. And that's exactly 
what's going on now. All of these are false uh, church leaders are teaching false doctrines, and they're leading everyone astray. And what's the result of that? They're going to hate one another because they never got the truth for the Word of God that's being preached to them. They never learned it. They don't. They're changing the Bibles. They don't hear it in the churches. The media tells them that this is what's supposed to happen. The government is sponsoring and changing laws. Everyone is going against the word of God. Everyone. So except for the saints who are trying to hold fast and not normalize all of this. And it says the inequity will abound and love of many will grow cold. So just wait a few more years where there's not even going to be any love for anyone. Uh, the second Thessalonians 2 uh, this is, it talks about the great apostasy. It says, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in the mind and be troubled, or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter as it from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, and the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he sits at God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So what is all this leading up to? The leading up to that the bosses is already here, that means the Antichrist will soon be revealed, the son of perdition. So we're getting very, very close to that time frame. I, I don't even think, I think within either this generation or definitely the next generation, because the next generation is getting all their information from all the transformation that's been going on now. So that means they're not going to know the truth of anything about God, and they're the one we're going to hate one another. So even though right now there are believers, you know, speaking out and doing sermons the right way, the next generation I don't think will have any hope except for the remnant that is always faithful to God. But majority of the population that are following all this, they're going to be lost. And then this is what God has to say about what it means to sin against of your you know having the same gender bending ideas and homosexuality uh, Leviticus chapter 18 verse 22 to 29 says you shall not lie with a man as one does with a woman it is an abomination God considers homosexuality as an abomination but yet these guys are not they're considering themselves as queer holy it says, you shall not lie with an animal or defile yourself, nor any woman should lie with an animal. It is perversion. So it condemns bestiality, homosexuality. Uh, do not defile yourself in any of these ways. For these practices, the nations I am casting before you have defiled themselves, and the land has become defiled. Therefore, I have punished it 
iniquity, and the land has vomited out her inhabitants. For you shall therefore keep my statute and my decrees. You shall not commit any of these abominations, either the native citizen or a foreigner who uh, sojourns among you. The Israelites, the Jews, were, were to keep these commandments, and God considered them an abomination to uh, or anyone in their own community and the foreigners who live with them to commit such acts. And then Deuteronomy chapter 22 verse 5, a woman must not wear man's clothing and nor a man uh, to put on women's clothing for all that do are so abominations to the Lord your God. So this is cross-dressing. Women can't wear men's clothing and men can't wear women's clothing. So all this transgenderism that's going around and accepting it in the drag queens, in school, in the churches, in workplace, anywhere you go, in the government, all this is that's happening is an abomination to God. It's an abomination of vile acts that the God's going to um, be judging in the lake of fire. In Titus chapter 1, verse 16, it says, They that profess that they know God, but in their deeds they do deny him, being abominable, disobedient, and worthless for every good work. This is talking about Christians and uh, professed teachers um, that are saying that they know God, but in their hearts and their deeds they deny him. So, with all the videos that you heard and the different pastors, women pastors, gay pastors, queer pastors, tr transgender pastors, all of these different pastors' voices that you just heard, do they act like they know God, but they're denying him with every word that they and their behavior and what they're doing and their conduct? They are every worthless for every good work. And they're deceiving people into hell. So Romans chapter 1, 26 through 27. For this reason God gave them up to a dishonorable passions. Their women exchanged a natural function of what is against nature. Likewise the men leaving the natural function of a woman burn in their lust towards one another. Men with men doing that which is shameful and receiving in themselves the due penalty of their error. God gave them over to their lust for one another, the homosexuality, the transgenderism, the feminine, all these different uh, fluid, gender fluid uh, spectrum of endless genders and sexuality definitions, and including bestiality and all those uh, things that, different ways that they find themselves to perverts sexually and they all have the same fate so 1 corinthians chapter 6 9 through 11 do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of god do not be deceived neither the sexually immoral nor idolaters nor adulterers nor male prostitutes nor homosexuals nor thieves nor covetous nor drunkards nor revilers extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Such were some of you, but you were washed and you were sanctified and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. Notice that not only none of these people are going to inherit the kingdom of God, but it does talk about those who repented of these things were 
washed and sanctified. So it is possible for every one of these transgender, homosexual, queer, every one of those alphabet letters, if they're still in their perversion and their sin, if they genuinely repent and come towards God, they're going to be washed and sanctified. It says, such were some of you. So some of the believers were practicing and doing some of these things. So that's why it's really, really dangerous when they hear these doctrines. And rather than the church, including professing Christians, telling them that they're, this is wrong and it's abomination to God, there, there's no chance for them to repent and be washed and sanctified. There's no chance if all they hear is acceptance and allowing these abominations to continue. Revelation 21.8, But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all liars shall have their portion in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone. This is their second death. So this is where the church and everybody else is leading all these people into is the lake of fire, which gonna that's going to be the second death is a death to their soul, their spirit. So there's nothing after that for them. And, and, and clearly it talks about the abominable, which we just discussed what God considers an abomination, which is all these sexually perverse people that have no repentance, no remorse, and they continue in their deceiving and lying doctrines to trap all others, including Christians who probably did not think about this, but today's environment, they're very, very confused and allowing their deception uh, to get a hold of them. And where God is basically allowing this to happen because they don't they rejected the truth as well. And in Ezra nine fourteen, um, so this is what talking to the Israelites where the Israelites says, Should we again break your commandments and intermarry with the people of these abominations? Would you not become so completely angry with us that we would be no remnant nor any who escape? And we just know what the definition of abominations, what God considers an abomination with all these perversions. So imagine not only just these, but then also anyone who does not follow God, but is of some other practice and some other religion that they don't honor God's word. So would the original church uh, that I pointed out, the Church of Canada, where it was marrying anybody and everybody and all faiths were welcome and equal, all uh, practices were equal and welcome, and it married same sex and married people with different uh, faiths as one. The Israelites knew that this was an abomination to God to do that. They were not to intermarry with people that rejected God. They were not to marry anyone that God considered an abomination. And yet the churches are saying, no problem, we'll marry you. So just because they get their marriage license and the church says we'll do that does not mean it's actually a marriage under God's eyes and under God's law. 
so they can marry and do whatever they want, but they're not marrying. They're just continuing in their abomination. And they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God because if they don't repent and they don't recognize what they're doing is wrong and it's sinful, then they're going to end up in the lake of fire and experience the second death. So there are many, many verses throughout the Bible that has outlined this clearly that what this is the society is doing is sinful and it's wrong and it's going to lead to to have all the love grow cold in people that they're no longer going to they're going to lose their humanity if they're going to lose their humanity then god doesn't need to have this generation stick around just for a bunch of evil animals that are doing whatever they want so the world is now you know coming to a crossroad and it looks like the majority have already decided what they want to defy God and go their own way. So we're coming to that time period where anyone who objects to this, any remnant that's still left that can speak up and tell the truth like this video is trying to do, persecution is not going to be far behind. It's only a matter of months to years before the majority will now hate anyone who's going to tell the truth, and they're going to crucify the remnant, the saints, just like they did with Jesus Christ. They went after him because nobody could handle the truth. The crowd gathered together, and they all cheered and chanted, you know, to put him on the cross and to crucify him. They chanted for hours, crucify him, crucify him, until... King Pilate, or who I forgot who he was, agreed to do that. All these things are not going to look all that different for the remnant who's going to be a witness for God, speaking about God, and trying to tell them the truth. The story of the two two witnesses is what the whole world is going to be going up against. They're going to hate them. They're going to cheer and send each other gifts when the devil finally overtakes them and kills them and they lie on the ground for three days before they're resurrected and the whole world celebrates that finally they're gone so they you know given uh supernatural powers to torment them with weather warfare take away rain and plagues as much as they want during the time the three and a half years that they're going to be prophesying about the word of God and the people are going to hate it so much this whole climate change is not about the climate change what it is is they're trying to figure out how to control the weather and the people to make war with the two witnesses who are going to have these supernatural powers to create the plagues and the weather and change the weather you know so that no one can come after no one can kill them and they can cause all that havoc and chaos on the planet to get people to listen. Whole weather warfare is really to gear up towards that moment to go to war against God and the two witnesses. Um, so I hope that this video was informative. And you know, when you're faced with these ideas in your church and in your community, you have the strength to say no and walk away from it. If you don't, your fate is going to be no different than what these people fate and where they're headed into the lake of fire.
So it's more than ever, you have to know the Word of God to be able to protect yourself and your own soul from the harm that they're all creating in unison and infiltrating the schools, the churches, the government, the universities, and private businesses. Everywhere you go, it's already infiltrated. And now we are the ones that are left to stay strong and hold on. Have a great holiday and enjoy your family time. Until next time.